Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Common Ground podcast. Common Ground is a core class that meets weekly at Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. As part of our current series, guest teacher Luke Paiva is going through the Ten Commandments and what they mean to us today. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, okay, so uh, we stayed, we, we have been going through the Ten Commandments, and we stayed in line with the Ten Commandments. Uh, and today we enter the second table of the law, as they refer to it. We have finished the four that focus uh, predominantly on God, though they all focus on God. That's going to be one of the things, uh, one of our points today. We focus the four that are directed at God uh, upward from man, and now we look at the six that are uh, directed outward. We begin looking at the six that are directed outward uh, in our relationships with each other. Uh, I think it was John Calvin. I can't remember whose commentary I read on it about speculations, vain speculations of why four for God and six for humanity. And uh, there were lots of them, and some of them were interesting, and some of them were foolish. And and his conclusion was like, uh, because God is sovereign and he doesn't care about mathematical aesthetics. And I was like, well, that's a... That's a good way to approach that. Like, just, Lord, tell me what you want to tell me. Uh, and, uh, and we begin today with two that, um, these are all hard if you take them seriously. Uh, it is hard to submit to God. And, uh, but, but honor your mother and father and do not commit murder. <laughs> that, is, that is a handful in, uh, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and, and on the surface, they can seem... Uh, yeah, okay, I'm not going to be rude to my parents, and, uh, and I don't have a murder problem, so I'm good. <laughs> but if we dig into them, uh, these are two that really can hit at our core um, and can really cause devastation. Uh, so I, I say that uh, in a good way. It is good to be devastated by God and to be rebuilt in His image, but it is not easy. Um, I say that because uh, both of these can step on toes they could um they could press into really hurt areas um and i don't want to do that to you um and i can't address i don't want to do that to you uh, more than it needs to be done um but i can't address every possible circumstance that this has come out in your life um and i'm i want I, i'd like to say i hope i'm not being and i'd like to say like i don't want to be just glib over some incredibly hurt place in your life uh just bear with me, think about the bigger picture of what I'm saying, um, and, uh, and ask questions if you need to. Uh, I'm not trying, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not attempting to be trite in any of these handling of these truths, uh, but I might not be specifically addressing your hurt area. Um, but I would say that God is speaking to everybody in these areas, no matter what the circumstance is. Um, so just kind of that mind and heart set uh, as we go into this. Um, and also, let's always remember, and I hope I'll be able to draw us into this, but let's look at, let's remember who God is when we listen to His instructions. If you ever listen to His instructions and forget who He is, it's horrible. Let's hear His instructions always remembering who it is that is instructing us and what His ultimate intentions are. His ultimate intentions are love, um, even in the hard things. Uh, so... <laughs> I thought it'd be a really tough transition too. I was like, I don't understand how I'm going to do honor your mother and father and then jump into murder. But they actually do blend together really well. Uh, so I'm going to start with honor your mother and father. 
Let me read the commandments. I don't, I wish I had, I didn't, uh, I forgot, not only did I forget the email, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know I was supposed to do the email, frankly, but uh, I, did, I don't have the slides. You know, we usually have the slides up with the verses, so um, if you just bear with me, I have several I'm going through. I'll read them to you, but uh, if you want to look them up, you can. If you can't, I, I'm jumping around, I understand. But just starting in Exodus 20, let's hear, let's hear God's commands. This starts in verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land, that the Lord your God has given you. And verse 13, you shall not murder. That is all, uh, but those go uh, to our very core. When I was teaching, uh, or when I was getting my teaching degree years ago at UT, uh, there was a woman in my class who, hard to tell, she was from Korea, I think she was late 30s, early 40s, had a couple of teenage kids, moving to America for, uh, it was it's actually a beautiful story, predominantly because uh, one of her sons had special needs, and there was no uh, no care or concern that she had in her community in where she was living in Korea, and she had an opportunity to come to America, and where there was some great opportunities to minister to her children and their needs. Uh, but she was working on an education degree, <laughs> and uh, she was very quiet. English was her like fourth language. Uh, she had been a simultaneous French-Korean translator for the consulate. Like a simultaneous translator is an, a ridiculous feat of, of language acquisition. Uh, I got to know her because I would help her with her papers because her English was not great. And I, I, I was a little bit older too, and so I wasn't the... I was someone that she was like, could you help me with my paper? I was like, yes, I will help you with the paper. Uh, but she said she didn't speak a lot in class. One day, uh, she was talking about the difference in culture and how her mother-in-law was the matriarch of her family, lived with them. Uh, her husband's mother lived with them, and she was in charge of the house. Um, this is a woman working extraordinarily hard. Um, she is currently, her husband was still working in Korea, so she is by herself in America with her two children, one of them with special needs, as she's working on her fourth language education degree. But she still submitted to her mother-in-law. And it was, she says, our culture is different, and, uh, and this is like, finally, some kids woke up in the back, like some frat kids are like, wait, what? You're still listening to your mom? Um, and she said, yes, um, it is hard. She's a hard woman, but she is the matriarch. She is the mother. We, we do what she says. She is in charge. And they're like, I mean, you know, kids were like rioting in the back. That's outrageous. We want to liberate you. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and then she goes, and then she, like, everybody was her friend after this. And uh, the, even the professor was like, that's very hard. How do you do that? And she's like, she will not live forever. <laughs> and I was like, oh! And I was like, she is a, she is a killer. Um, that was just shocking to our culture. The, the parental dynamics of other cultures are shocking to our culture. Um, and, and, but even in that, sub, that massive submission that she was uh, sitting under, uh, it still wasn't, and I think she was a believer, but that was not a, it still wasn't that healthy mentality of honor your mother and father. And as I was seeking to, to narrow this down and to, to bring it to you in a way that would probably apply to the most people, uh, just that, like some guardrails from Christ, some guardrails on this subject from Christ. Um, because what we, we are neither to idolize our parents, and nor are we to murder them in our hearts. We are to honor them. And most of us 
idolize them or murder them or take turns idolizing them and murdering them. And that is not a right relationship with parents. And what I want uh, all of us to see, and this is hard for me, my parents are not believers. And like, I am more either roommates or contentious debaters with my parents than I am parents. It was hard for me working on this lesson. One of my favorite pastors, Sinclair Ferguson, I was listening to him talk one time and they're like, well, what authority, what preaching do you sit under? And he's like, I sit under my own preaching a lot. And he's like, I'm not being arrogant. It's like when I'm studying the word, it applies to me too. And I need to be convicted of it and transformed by it as much as anybody I'm speaking to. Uh, and this was hard for me. Uh, uh, but, um, but it's just true. Uh, let me give you Jesus' two examples here. You have one, and they are extreme opposites, and both have led to like extreme uh, misunderstandings. But let, let's work to see it rightly. Luke 14, 25 through 28. I think we went through this as a class <laughs> under the hard sayings of Jesus. Um, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. That's a hard saying. And God just commanded us to hate our mother and father. At the exact same time where he said, I've not removed any of the commandments and you are to honor your mother and father. Uh, And this is just good submission to God and learning at God's feet. Um, He isn't uh, contradictory. And so if there is an apparent contradiction, you need to work according to what he has said to understand what the difference is. Uh, And so what you also have in Jesus's life, the one we want to compare this to, is John 19, 25 through 27. And this is uh, is where some idolatry of man is from, but um, this is Jesus. Some of according this is John's kind of the last words he's recording apart from my thirst and it is finished as Jesus is dying on the cross. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. And that's just, if you look into the culture at the time, by all accounts that that we can know know, historically, um, Joseph is dead at this point. Um, Joseph, stepfather of Jesus, is dead at this point. Uh, And Mary is a widow. And I don't know timeline-wise. I know James, his half-brother, was executed for preaching Christ. So I, I don't know, like... Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that to be a widow in that day and age, much like to be a widow today, is is horrible. It, it could be a death sentence. You have no way to provide for yourself. You have no community. It's just, it's just terrible. And here is Jesus honoring his mother and providing her with a family and a future of hope as he's dying on the cross. And so what we need to do in, in this brief period of time before we move on to murder, is um, balance those. You need to hate your mother and father to be my disciple. And even as he's dying on the cross, to provide his mother with hope and love in this world now. That, that is the biblical example of honoring your mother and father. 
One, so a couple. Uh, there's this. There's this. Uh, there, anybody see AMC's Hell on Wheels? Like the Western following the railroads. Uh, it's been over. It's on at Netflix. Been chipping through it. Uh, it's okay. Uh, there's a preacher, and I'm only in. I'm only in like season two point one. So, but there's a preacher in it, and and um, media does not do a great job of representing Christianity typically. There's a preacher in it, and he's a terrible person. Um, sometimes he's actually saying the gospel, which I, which gave me hopes early on, but then he's just a horrible person. Um, but he's got this daughter he didn't take care of who shows up and is like, mama's dead. I need help. And he's like, oh gosh, I guess just, you can stay in the back and do some work. Uh, and his testimony at one point is the Lord says you should hate your mother and father and your own children and serve him. And so I do. Um, that is classic taking verses out of context and making them selfish applications and not submitting to God. Um, this is not idolizing your parents. Uh, I've, heard it, I've heard it in policing. I've arrested, I've fought and arrested like 30-year-old men who were like not easy to fight and arrest and put them in the back of the car and I'd be like, let me call my mama. Let me call my mama. And like, I've let them sometimes because part of it, because I had a recording in my car and like people say things on the phone that like, you know, it's like, mama, I hit this police officer and now he's trying to take me to jail. And I was like, all right, we have a confession. Um, And, uh, but this, this desperation to, to be with mama and have mama take care of him. Um, Or, and I've heard in the South, uh, uh, daddy said, well, daddy said, well, daddy said, well, daddy said, my dad said, my dad... Uh, to no end. Um, those, neither of those phrases are inherently wrong, but they could touch on an idolatry of parents where we are looking to our parents to be who God is, um, to instruct us and advise us with all authority to imitate as much as possible and to seek pleasure from as much as possible. And that's not who our parents are. God has intentionally given us our parents. He has intentionally given us our parents uh, to teach us about Him. And it's a very special relationship, but it's not Him. And it's not to, um, to supplant Him. And we often will because when we're, what it is is we're picking and choosing what we want to do. Uh, and so if our parents agree with what we want to do, we, but my daddy said, or my mama said, so it's okay. I think we'll, often though is it's just affirming what we already wanted to be true. Or we have failed to see who our true father is and aren't looking to the actual source. We haven't made it past the example to the ultimate. Um, and we've made an idol out of our parents. Uh, one of the things I love, there's two, like the two closest groups of people to you in your life um, you're supposed to not have any say over. It's supposed to be your family and your church. You have no say over who those people are. Like those people show up. You, you don't ask a lot of them to show up. They're just there. Uh, and it's a beautiful gift of God to give us our family and to give us our church body. Um, the premier relationships in this world uh, and, and make them who God gave to us and not who we picked for ourselves to affirm what we want. And we always want to be seeking that, um, that degree of, of submission and looking to God and seeing, what are you teaching me? What have you taught me and my parents? Um, 
I'm going to close. There's, I think there's a, ca- like, not a caveat, but there's a question that needs to be asked and answered there. I want to talk about the second half first, and then I'll, I'll kind of conclude parents with, with, with maybe what question needs to be asked there. Um, as far as not murdering our parents, uh, as far as honoring them, um, to love your parents well, and to listen to their authority that God has sovereignly placed over you, um, as long as it's not contradicting His revelation of ultimate truth, is a good thing, um, even when it's not perfect. Uh, and, and so what a lot of us do, though, if we're not idolizing our parents, we're murdering them. They're old and confused. They don't get anything. Um, they made my childhood miserable. Again, I'm not, I'm not, in this, I'm not talking about the most extremes yet. I'm talking about just normal center parents, not like a lot of center parents, like just normal center parents. They made my life difficult. They don't understand me. They don't get it. Um, and I want nothing to do with them. And in fact, I condemn them for every way they're different from me. And I condemn them for trying to do something a way I disagreed with. That, by Jesus's definition, that's murder. And we're going to look at his definition when we get to murder. But like we have hated them in our hearts because they did not match what we decided they should have been. Uh, and that is, not, uh, that is not who God made us to be either. He called us neither to idolize them nor murder them, but to honor them. And so what does that look like? And I say that's in every circumstance, and I mean, the word, I mean, I mean abuse, verbal and physical, even, and this is where it's so hard, but even in sexual abuse, even in um, abandonment, just all the depths of wickedness, there is still a call to honor your mother and father in that. And that's, a, that's a hard one. Let me finish, and I'll ask if there's any questions. Um, but what does that look like? Okay, That doesn't look like lack of wisdom. That doesn't look like I just, I just submit to my parents when they tell me and do horrible things to me. It doesn't mean that was okay because they were my parents. Um, It means in God's infinite sovereignty and wisdom, even in that sin, even in that horrible sin of your parents, which they are responsible for, He is drawing you closer to Him in understanding, um, these are my parents who He gave me, but they are not my ultimate. He is my ultimate. And even in their lack of being who they should have been, according to his own law, they are pointing you to who he actually is. In their sin and failures and inadequacy to satisfy your needs and what you were made for, he is showing you who he is and that he does not fail like that. He does not abandon you. He does not abuse you. He will never do that to you. Uh, and you desperately need him. Uh, these, these human relationships we're given are everything we're given is to show us who God actually is and draw us to him. In the positives, in the true image-bearing salt and light activities of our parents, if they are doing what God has called them to do, He is showing us a picture of his goodness and his love, of what it's like in their utter depravity and sin that they have chosen to to 
take out on their children at times, he is showing us what he is not. And it's still <coughs> drawing us to him. All right, that, so that's a, lot of, that's a lot of hard statements, I think. I think they're true. There's a lot of hard statements. Are there any, are there any questions, pushback, commentary, anything? Are we okay with that? That's, that's hard. That's hard for me. Um, and, and I have a light version. I have a real light version. Um, like I said, I have a light version of like mildly absent parents and like one who's hypercritical of, especially of, of my faith, of my having multiple, more than two children. Cause, you know, um, and to think about honoring him, I was like, God knew who he gave me as a father. He knew and there's good that I've, I've seen from him, true reflection, where I say, like, he's actually bearing a part of, of what God has said for him to bear, and he doesn't even know why. Um, but in the hard stuff, some of the best places I have come have just been to, f- to feel that hard, hurt, um, lack of relationship, and just praise God that he's not like that. Because uh, I, was, I was made to know the love of a perfect father, and nobody's got one of those. And even in, in the beauty of male and female and, and together bearing the greatest image of, of what God's love is, uh, in, in any, even those together, they're two sinners together. And even in that perfect, intact family, it's still not the full love I was made for. Um, and, but, and, but God knew what he was doing. He could have made all the people at one time on a giant planet Earth. Everybody who was ever going to exist could have just had one life together. Uh, he could have made little cabbage patch dolls that just like sprout up out of the dirt and like, you know, uh, and live life. But he gave us families and he gave us churches and church bodies to teach us who he is and what relationship with him is like. And in every one of those, every one of those situations and whatever is in it, there is a call and an opportunity and an empowerment to bear his image, to know him more, and to praise him and worship him. If it's the rescue from horribleness and the undoing of horribleness, or if it's the whatever is good here is nothing compared to what is perfect in God. It is an opportunity to be conformed to him. And it's an exercise to love your parents. And imagine, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but just the, the unraveling that occurs when people don't honor their mother and father. The unraveling in marriages when there's idolatry of a parent. And instead of being one with a spouse and seeking God and seeking to conform to the image of God as a family who God has made you, you are only looking to your parent as an idol to satisfy you. And, and, and notice the unraveling of society and, and families when parents... Um, don't do what they're called to do. And then the children, like how they reject their parents, how there's, there's a parental component of this as well. And that's just not what we're talking about today. But when the children don't honor their mother and father and what are the commands? What, what is a parent supposed to do with a child? How many of y'all are parents? That's awesome. (laughs) What's our number one job? I know, it's like almost a true quiz, like, because I know the exact answer I want. And... <laughs> to, to bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord, in the right fear and instruction of the Lord. Uh, this is hard for me as a parent of toddlers, and, and it's hard for 
It's hard for everybody, I think. But to think like, this child's not my child. And yet at the same time, God gave me a tremendous responsibility to bear with this child. This child is, is a soul in a body who is to be God's. And God has given me a, a, a privilege to bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Every generation is supposed to teach the next generation. When children don't rightly honor their parents, their mother and father, they unravel God's built-in instruction plan. God's built-in bringing people up in Him. Uh, they destroy the community that God gave us to know Him more, to worship Him, and to be conformed to His image. Um, family is essential. And we live in a culture that's just like so autonomous that we, uh, we either reject the family that disagrees with us or we over-idolize the family that matches our beliefs and desires. And if we will do battle to sit at God's feet and to, to treat our parents um, with the honor that He has demonstrated for us, it's, this is the first commandment with a blessing. Like there is a blessing that comes from God by living as He designed us to live. Uh, and, it, and it starts in the home. Everybody starts with a mother and a father. I mean, no matter how far you deviate out to the sides of like how it originally began, it originally began with a mother and a father. And how that builds and grows and how that functions is, uh, is how we were made to function. Uh, and so, I mean, that's the bulk of the overview of that. Um, I, let me just, I, I think one more thing. Yeah. Yes. You're doing a great job. This is my new uh, co-teacher at CPA next year in the Bible department, Houston. His wife, Grace, say hi to them. Um, but so yeah, thank you. Uh, it's, it's particularly uh, relevant in, in our our world right now. But um, could you give us another example, maybe in your life or somebody else's, of that? What's it look like to honor, like uh, in, instead of idolize or to, to hate? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a great question. Thank you. I think that begins with a right ordering of perspective, a God-centered perspective. Uh, I think that starts with the first commandment. Recognize that God is God and there is nothing before Him. And He is sovereign and He has made families and He has placed you in your family. If He knows every hair on your head and every sparrow that falls to the ground, He knows the family He placed you in. And He is sufficient to draw you to Him and to empower you to do what needs to be done in your family union, whatever that is. And it's a, it's a constant, like, where do we start? Before I start with my relationship dynamics with my parents, let me start with my relationship with God. Let me make sure that that is rightly ordered and viewed, that He is my source of authority, that He is my ultimate example, and that His Word is what instructs me in all things. Um, and under that, He has called me to honor my parents. And so where am I not stepping out of that boundary? Uh, and I also think it's huge to remember... Um, to love your neighbor as yourself. These are humans with souls. And they either need Jesus or they have them, but they're sinners. That's all we got. That's all we got to work with, sinners. And, and, and recognizing that, it, but for the grace of God, that'd be you too. And, and 
And so have, having mercy and compassion on our own parents, instead of this contentious battle or this unhealthy enmeshment, like mercy and compassion and love for these people who God has placed in our life till death do us part, like is what it's supposed to be. Um, and it's an image of his love. And I think because every situation is so unique, I think that's the starting point of, of recognizing them for who they actually are. They're not God, but he gave them to you. Um, and, and they're sinners who need Jesus as much as you do. And, uh, and to view them in that, that right light of like, I'm not going to just follow you blindly. I'm going to love you and follow you where you echo God. And I'm going to lovingly interact with you where you have stopped echoing who God is. And what a testimony, and this is where the generational thing, I think this is for time, unless there's another important question, which I will answer. Um, for time, I'm going to move to murder after this, because we need to talk about that too. But what a witness to the world, and what a hope for future generations. Everybody understands parental relationships. Everybody understands what they are, and, and everybody understands to some degree what, how they're broken. And when you love a broken parent, lots of people love their neighbor because they're like, well, it's my neighbor. We live together. I'm trying to be a good person and help them out with loaning a llama or whatever. But when you take a parent who is broken and you show the world that they are still worthy of Christ's love from their own child, you are witnessing to everybody. Like We don't do that. People don't do that in our culture in our day and age. We don't just love our family because Christ loved us, like that testifies to the world who he is and what he's capable of doing. Um, And it testifies to your own children one day. Like honoring parents comes from, a lot of it comes from children who honor their parents because they're modeling what it is to love family sinners. And when when you grow up modeling that, you teach it to the next generation. And that is our call as families, to constantly teach the next generation, to learn from the generations above us and to teach the generations below us. And in that, they teach them up. Um, kids teach parents. Uh, but it starts, with, it starts with submission to God and letting Him be God and, and parents be parents and accepting that He's done that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my own household. <laughs> Really clarify, like, um, if you're someone who is, you're a parent with like abuse, yeah, yeah, addiction. To be explicit, that honoring them does not necessarily mean any contact with them, any kind of obedience. Right, right. There is wisdom. Like God is also the God of wisdom. You are not submitting yourself to abuse, but where where that would be, say, the most extreme cases, abandonment, abuse to the point of no more contact. They're still, you, you still know your parents. You still, you, you think about them a lot. You still interact with them. Um, in your own heart, you're called to the same, the commands are in the heart before they're anywhere else. You can have a parent in jail who you never will have contact with again because of the horrors of abuse. You could, you, you, those relationships could be redeemed too, but say this is one that's not being redeemed. It's active abuse and you can't be near them. You can't be near them. 
But in your heart, you also are called not to be constantly murdering them for their sin and its effect on you. I mean, it's the same as a family who has their child murder and, and legitimately forgives the murderer. They're actually doing what they were designed to do. You're not going to, and you're not, the beauty for you in that is you're not going to be, um, God's going to enable you to do that and you're going to know him better than you ever knew him before out of that. Um, you can't do that in your own strength. Uh, but you're, you're, you're called not to sit there in the hatred and the anger for what was done to you. You're called to run to your perfect parent and ask him for the strength and the wisdom and the healing and redemption to where you're not constantly murdering them in your heart. Um, and I don't know anybody how anybody could ever do that apart from Christ. Yeah. Um, I just, I, as I'm listening to that, um, I, you know, I was reading through, uh, uh, you know, First Samuel, and it's not parents, but it's it's similar. Um, you know, David was, uh, you know, in any stretch of imagination, terribly abused um, by Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, Saul pursued him, tried mm-hmm. to kill him, gave his wife to another man. Um, uh, I mean, regularly tried to kill him. To Thanks for the music. Chased after him, and, and and several times, David, it was in his power to kill him. Caught him using the restroom in a cave, you know, um, uh, you know things like that. And and David's honoring him wasn't. You know, David fled. David separated. David protected himself with armed guards, um, honoring the king, the Lord's anointed. In that circumstance, simply consisted of refraining from doing evil to the Lord's anointed when it was in his power to do so, and it might have even been arguably right. So, it, yeah. in some cases, I think honoring might not even be doing something something like positive. Or thinking positive, or having respect for it, simply refraining from doing evil to the person when it's in your power to do so, and when you might have every right to do so. I was every. I was, the only addendum I would make is like every cultural legal right, maybe even. But like, what a what a perfect example of what honor looks like. Not only it used to baffle me, like what you're talking about, where he cuts his he cuts his robe. As a, as a humiliation, you know, cuts a piece of his robe and waves it. Says, you know, I, I spared your life. I could have killed you. And then repents of cutting his robe, like a deep repent. And I was like, okay, he didn't kill him. Like <laughs> he cut his robe. Like why, why wouldn't he? Why, let that one go. But that deep repent, there's actually this, I, I asked one of my professors, hey, can I do this paper? And he's like, that's a great paper, but it's not for this course. And, uh, but this clothing, this, this, this robing that is prevalent from, the, from Genesis through, uh, through David through to the end of the robing of righteousness, it is the symbol of God's sovereign redemption and identification. And what you have in David is like, God told me I'd be king. But you have David doing what Abraham didn't, right? Abraham's like, God told me I have a bunch of kids. I guess I'll sleep with this other woman to get the kids. I'll make it happen my way. You have David saying, God told me I'd be king. But he has another king right now that he put in place. And I'm going to honor him in his position. I'm not going to mock his authority. I'm not going to do anything to him until God 
is uh, I'm going to honor him and honor God until God makes me king in his ways. And you have this repenting of, of not because Saul was a good king or not because Saul didn't deserve it in anyone's eyes. That was war. He probably legally, he legally could have killed him. But he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor God first. And by honoring God, I'm going to respect this for what it is. I, and he didn't hang out with him repeatedly. And he did defend his own life, but he never that we see, he, we don't get a display of him dishonoring him but one time and he repents of it. You know, that's a beautiful example. And, yeah, and what came to mind too is like, even if it's, you know, even if you're not in a situation you know, where you shouldn't contact it's like, maybe one way to honor them too is by praying for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and how, how are you murdering someone in your heart when you're praying for them? You know, like when you're praying, and where are you going? You're going to your source of healing that you need. God, I don't understand this. This hurts so badly. They need you too. Can you, will you redeem them? Will you redeem me? Will you make me whole through this? It's not an immediate answer. His answer to, to that is, is, yes, come closer, child. Um, yeah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful part of that too. Talking about the, the other side, the idolatry thing. I mean, I, I all of it. I know part of that command too. I mean, if these are Jews and they commit their faith, literally some of them will be killed. Mm-hmm. Still like that. Um, and with your parents, and my parents aren't weren't believers either. It can be you know a lot more subtle. Yeah, a lot of social deaths. But I was I was with a I can't even remember who it was, but it was a person that believed the gospel. But they had this thing about their dad, and it was just. I can never live up to that image. I'm going to listen to this person talk, and we can all be guilty of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's guilty of all this. Wonderful common grace gifts that God gave him through his dad, but it seemed in the way he was talking to me, he had this shame, and he just couldn't. He just like, I'll never live up to that. And you can see this guy's like in bondage to it. And it's like, you're never going to live up to whatever image, and your dad's probably a lot worse than you really think he is. Right. But... You need to be set free with the gospel that God's delights in you because you're a sinner who's been redeemed. Mm-hmm. And so, and we all have that if it's a good relationship with a parent. But, um, that can be another, I was just thinking yeah. about that. Oh, you could think about honoring your mother and father for a long time. Mm-hmm. because, And that's the beauty of it. We all understand the relationship and the difficulties of the relationship. What a blessing of God that He gave us this common tool to worship Him, be conformed to His image, to uh, testify to His truth, and to build each other up because we all know the hurts in this relationship. Every, nobody's getting out of this world without scars. And this is one we all share in common. Um, and and um, again, just the beauty of that, like idols consume you. If you make anything an idol, even a good thing, right, uh, it will consume you. You will never satisfy it. They cannot be satisfied, and they will eat you up. And when they're done with you, they're done. They don't care. Idols always destroy you. And even when it's like the idolatry, we're not called to bear the image of our parents. We're called to bear the image of God. And, and trying to do anything else will destroy you because it's unsatisfiable. And I was going to say that in terms of idols destroying us in cultural context, the U.S. in particular, we celebrate youth and we resist age. And we lived in Korea for a year and saw when 
elderly people step onto a bus, five people are up in the blink of an eye to hand to give them a seat. Oh, we, it's such an honoring of age and wisdom our, experience. I, I firmly believe our society is is one of the well, the root is like not turning to God, but like one of the core unravelings is this just complete rejection of the structure he gave us for good reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the other things that we should note is this is the only commandment that comes with a promise. I mean, it's so, and it's the first human to human commandment. I mean, God's very intentional about what he does. Uh, and, and, and like you get the gift in this when you dig into this of just practicing submitting to his goodness and trusting that it's goodness and pressing into all the hurt places by beginning with, God, you are good. And what are you doing with this? You know, how are you redeeming this? How are you growing me closer to you and more like you through this and approaching it with that instead of the burdens that we come to our parental relationships with? Because just years and years of just knowing each other. Just sinners really closely knowing each other for years and years. Yeah. Can you help us segue to murder? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just, uh, I'll hit a quick two minutes on murder. We'll be good. Uh, I, um, being a physician, I see a lot of end of life. And that's where you see the honoring of the parents a lot, oh. is the children who are there. And you can tell, like, who's had good relationships and who's had bad relationships, but the fact that they're there is, you know, speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, so when my dad was dying, I'm an academic cardiologist, and I took off several weeks to be in the ICU with him. So I think that that was my way of honoring him, but I murdered my mom once. <laughs> and I confess to you I'm a sinner, so please have grace on me. I'm going to share this. Horrible. This is like one of the worst things I've ever done in my entire life. I said, when I was a teenager, I said to my mom, you have nothing left to teach me. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have said, if that feels any better. Oh. I will never forget that. And if one of them said that to me, I think I'd die. It's devastating. So, uh, yeah, so that's your second murder. Yeah, I mean, that, that's real murder. And, and that is, uh, I mean, I hear that. I try and teach high school kids that, like, like you might not know yet. Like just, I was like, would you just listen to me based on the fact that I've just been on the earth a little bit longer and just like, just consider like, hey, I saw some stuff. You want to think about it before you make a decision? Um, but in those family relationships, it, it's just so hard to want to push away to be your own person and not even practicing the submission to a parent is practicing submitting to God. It's way easier to submit to a parent than it is to submit to God. Um, so yeah, transitioning to quickly murder, but I think we can do it. The, okay, let's go with the, the heartbeat of murder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how I'm going to work that analogy in at this point, so we'll just move on. Um, the heartbeat of murder, it's in your heart. Jesus defines sin in your heart. Not, none of, we're all pharisaically good at not murdering, I think. I think. We're probably okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, if you aren't, it's, there's forgiveness and redemption. Um, but we have not actually murdered somebody for the most part. Most people have not actually murdered someone. So as Pharisees, we are free and clear of murder. Not guilty, moving on. Unless you listen to what Jesus has said. And that if you even hate someone in your heart, you have murdered them. Uh, it's in Matthew 5, 17 through 22. But down, down at the bottom, um, 
Therefore, this starts at 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You're all good as a Pharisee, but that's not the standard. That's not Jesus's purpose of his law. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to judgment, liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Right. He gets like hatred. Uh, It goes from hatred and then it goes to judgment or uh, insults. And then it goes to like you'll be a fool and the fool's the one that gets the hell of fire. Like the least hateful thing in that list is the one that gets the hell of fire. Um, Jesus takes this murder in our hearts very seriously. I think the, the, the core of that, uh, for, for these purposes, we'll go, the core of that is vengeance belongs to the Lord. We need to trust him with vengeance and justice and righteousness. He is the just one. He is the righteous one. Vengeance is his. Let him have it. There's this beautiful in Deuteronomy 32. It's the song of Moses. It's when he's dying and passing it on to Joshua. And he says, he goes on the law. The whole law has been read. And if you will read this and live this and teach it to the next generations, it will go well with you. And then he sings this song. I I hope I get to hear it one day. Uh, Deuteronomy 32. And there's all kinds of fierceness and vengeance from God, and there's all kinds of justice and righteousness and redemption and protection from God, all in just this one, like, I mean, it's like 15 verses, maybe. It's really beautiful. Go home and read it. Um, where he's, The one I want to read to you, though, is like it's echoed in Romans 12. And this, this do not, vengeance is the Lord's. And we'll, let me read you Romans 12. This is a hard one, too. Romans 12, 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, again, a- an apparent contradiction in there is like, love them so you can heap burning coals on their heads. When I was at, uh, when I was at one of my police academies, some guys had like loosely decided to pray in the morning. But it was like, help us not fall out of the run and, you know, don't let us get yelled at today. <laughs> It's a little bit. It's a little bit hard to work with sometimes. One of them prays. Um, I just want to pray for my ex-wife um, that she would just be okay uh, because it says that you can heap burning coals on someone's head if you'll pray for them. And I was like, I will take that one. And it was one of those prayers where like, let me pray and try and correct this theology while we're talking about this. Um, what is fire in the Bible? What is fire in the Bible? Huh? It's a fire of, of God's righteousness cleansing. When you don't murder in your heart, because that's what we're all guilty of a thousand times over. When you choose not to murder in your heart, again, it's one of those testimonies to the world that like people don't do that. People don't love other people in the name of Jesus who, who they get nothing in return. People don't love their enemies in the name of Jesus. 
when they get nothing in return, why are you doing this? Because I was loved uh, infinite times more for infinite more guilt. And I'm okay to let God take care of this. Um, And that burning coals you're heaping on their head is a testimony of the truth of redemption. You might save, you might be the instrument God uses to save someone's soul by loving them when by all human standards you should have taken vengeance on them. But vengeance isn't yours. You're not trustworthy with it. I'm not trustworthy with vengeance. I don't know everything. I'm, I, I want to I crush people for the sake of me being vindicated, for the sake of my honor and my righteousness being upheld. And that's not a good honor and righteousness. I was trying to resist doing this, but I got to. The Infinity Gauntlet. I saw Avengers <laughs> with Matt. We saw Avengers last night, the night before. Uh, and the whole thing is you get all these powerful stones, but nobody can wield them because when you put that power on it, it like, destroys you. Right? It's only like the most absolute powerful people can do it, and it still hurts them. That's kind of like vengeance. You're not worthy to wield vengeance. Don't do it. It will destroy you. This testimony that you have to the world, uh, there's, that, that is this supernatural experience right there. When someone loves their enemy, that is otherworldly. That is a breaking in of heaven. And it sets you free. Because when you, I even say it like when kids are punching each other, it's like what you think is... You deserve to be honored and glorified. And so you are punishing someone who has failed to honor and glorify you. And that is not the call to humanity we are called to live. When you slander someone, when you verbally tear someone down, no matter how right you are in that situation, the motivation was to honor and glorify yourself and to punish the guilty. It is to put yourself in the place of God. And here's the hope. God is worthy of vengeance. He is the only one who is trustworthy with vengeance. And He has taken it. There is no greater justice or wholeness or any kind of action to set things right that will be greater than Christ on the cross. There is no physical punishment, no emotional punishment, no spiritual punishment you can ever put on someone to make you better that will ever do what Christ did on the cross. And, and, I, and I say this, like my kids have asked, like when we go through the Old Testament, my students will go through the Old Testament, and we we're talking about this the other day, and they'd be like, why don't we uh, tear down idols and slaughter priests that are false religions and burn their temples down anymore? And I was like, I don't, why don't we, right? I mean, they're leading people to hell. That's a hard statement, right? But it's true. Every false religion leads to hell. Why don't we slaughter them at war anymore? Why aren't there holy wars anymore? Because what greater death are you going to accomplish in this world than Christ killing sin and death for eternity? There's nothing left for you to do. Your battle is in 2 Corinthians 10, and I couldn't find it the other day. Your battle is in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Our war is just to worship Christ on the cross. That's how you destroy lies. That's how you destroy injustice. Now, we should walk in His image as His image bearers and do everything we can to be salt and light and to 
to promote and to engage with mercy and justice because that's who God is. And the only reason why we can do that is because vengeance isn't our responsibility and it'll never be done better than Christ on the cross. Never. And those who don't have him will see a vengeance and a justice that is purely righteous and that you had no business or ability to ever wield yourself anyway. So you can surrender. You can surrender the vengeance. You can surrender the murder because it's not yours and you don't want it. You don't want that. You want Christ and you want to see that it has been perfectly accomplished and you don't need to do anything. You need to be healed by Christ where you've been wronged and to give him to those who need them as desperately as you needed him. Because, but for the grace of God, that would be you too. You deserve the murder. And it's time to go. Um, I'll take any questions. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next week. If you have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment for us. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Have a great week.